Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement, and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have two guests from Nava Ventures in Vancouver, principal founder and CEO Gurjeet Matharu and Amon Thind, Nava's head of sales and marketing. Nava is developing a gamified banking app for Canadian credit unions to help their members develop greater financial literacy. CEO Gurjeet Matharu is an experienced full-stack engineer with a history of working in financial services and the defense industries. Gurjeet earned a Bachelor's of Applied Science focused in systems engineering from Simon Fraser University, and he recently taught cybersecurity at BCIT. Amon Thind, the head of sales and marketing, is a former varsity athlete and an honors graduate of the Sauter School of Business at UBC. In his spare time, Amon coaches children's soccer to be a positive influence in the community and to help out the next generation. In 2020, Nava Ventures won Startup Canada's Startup Impact Sustainable Development Goal Pitch Competition in the category of Poverty Reduction. And that's one of my favorite social development goals, and I hope it's one of yours too. Gurjeet and Amin, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm in here. Thank you. Awesome to have both of you here. Um, just to start out, either one of you can answer this, or both if you like. Um, we like to start off by letting people know that if they stay and listen to this podcast, they're going to learn some stuff that's really going to help them build their own businesses. So what are the top pieces of advice you'd like our listeners to take away from this conversation? Uh, for sure I can answer that. Uh, Gurjeet here. So I think... There's three main things. Uh, one is to start. A lot of people have great ideas, but they don't execute. And to execute, you have to start. The second piece is fail and fail often. And then third is learn your space. Learn about the technologies that are in your space and learn how you can work together uh, with your partners and competitors to, to kind of uh, come out on top. Man, that sounds like you were prepared for that question. Um, I'm particularly <laughs> interested in the third one about learning your space. What does that mean? Yeah, so 
That's a great question. I think uh, what it means to me is, especially for a software company or a tech company, uh, there's innovation happening every week, every day. So understand what kind of technologies are out there, what APIs are, um, how they interface with, with your technology, how you can work together. And there's a community out there. Find your community and see how you can help each other. A lot of people want to think you have to build your software by yourself. It's not true, especially in today's day and age with open source software, with people all over the world. So really understand your space. I hope that kind of clarifies. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That, 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 that's really good. How did each of you guys learn this space? What was your journey? Yeah, it's been kind of unique. Um, uh, there's been a whole lot of hurdles that we've had to go through, especially during the uh, a pandemic. And uh I think just getting involved uh, in different uh, mentorships or uh, having somewhat of a business coach or a personal coach has really helped me out personally. Gurjeet, here I can go next. Uh, for me, it's kind of an ongoing journey. It's kind of what I, I really enjoy this, uh, learning about technology and I read up on blogs, so I'm kind of always learning. Um, so it's kind of just a part of the daily process. Fantastic. Okay, let's figure out what it is that uh, Nava Ventures does. So what is this app that you're doing and what, how are you trying to help consumers master their finances? I'm in here. I can take that one. Um, so we're the Fitbit of finance. We make banking social and fun. And we're a SaaS company that partners with organizations like credit unions to provide a fresh banking experience that empowers their members to live their best financial life. And we use financial literacy as a foundation for our app and also provide rewards, personal finance management, an AI chatbot, and more importantly, social engagement onto one platform. Social engagement? I can talk with people about my savings and my credit card debt? Exactly. And I think uh, one of the biggest problems that uh, people have nowadays is just, just that fear of even talking about money. Um, we actually well, did yeah. some interviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we did some interviews and uh, a parent, ex-banker, uh, and a former teacher named Sue said parents would rather talk to their kids about sex than about banking. Uh, and it, I think it kind of just starts with having a conversation about it and uh, a social platform on a banking app we thought was a great way to do that. That's really interesting. Um, tell me about Nava and where it is on its journey to be a business. Do you have a product? Are you selling it? Are you still developing it? Uh, what stage are you at? Gurjeet here. We're um, finalizing our product. And one of the things that has come up and I think is very important to touch on is uh, cybersecurity, especially in the financial sector. So what we're doing right now is we're on our progress to get our SOC 2 audit. What that really means is we're making, um, we're doing a public kind of assessment where we have our security story uh, well done and proper so that we can go to these credit unions and ensure that their members' data is handled accurately and with security in mind. So that's where we're at right now. We have our product built. We're building our security out, and we're going to be launching our pilot at Q3 2021. Okay, cool. And you're working with credit unions. Canada has some big, powerful banks. Why are you working in the credit union space? I think that's a great question. Uh, primarily value alignment. Here at Nova, we're, our mission is to really empower our customers to live their best financial life. And what we found is credit unions were founded with a similar principle. They really want to improve financial literacy for their communities and help their communities thrive. And 
to answer your question is fundamentally first and foremost is value alignment we both want to help the members right uh Kujit, i love the idea of value value values alignment um that finding clients or prospects who are on the same path as you who, who share a mission so that's exciting how did that come to you did you just figure it out i i'm, I'm aware that in in british columbia credit unions play a, a bigger role than i think they tend to do in central canada or in ontario where, where i sit um was it always obvious that you would go with them or did it occur over time did you actually find more alignment with them than with other potential prospects finding the credit unions kind of happened accidentally uh the person that really uh drove that process or that piece was Amin. So I think I can get Amin to chime in here. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time for us at Nova. Uh, we went through a couple of different hurdles and uh, actually sat down uh, with a venture capitalist and uh, we were having a conversation and in it, um, he kind of brought up a point of why don't you look to help some of these organizations and um, why don't you kind of explore this field uh, instead of trying to compete with them as a traditional challenger bank or a fintech, try partnering with them. And through this, we started actually speaking to some credit unions and realized that um, a lot of them, they uh, they want to be technologically innovative, but some of them don't even know where to start. And through this and just having conversations with executives, we found first and foremost, there's a huge value alignment and that together we can, at the end of the day, empower our communities to live their best financial life. Sounds like a, a, a great story, built on common sense, but uh, it's, it sounds like your assumptions have been borne out. Are these some of the credit unions then sort of depending on you, to, to, to on, on your technology to sort of help them go more digital, help them reach more people? Yeah, more or less. Like uh, earlier this week, um, I attended a fintech conference and uh, they were speaking about some of the challenges that banks and credit unions have. And they were talking about how partnerships aren't, uh, there aren't a nice to have anymore. It's more of a necessity to survive in this era of digital transformation. And I think that's where we come in. And uh, we, at the end of the day, help one another uh, to help credit unions remain relevant. So, so help me understand how an app that sort of gamifies um, the management of finances, how does that then help these credit unions grow and serve their members in a strategic way? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I think I can take that one. Did you hear again? I think uh, foundationally, no matter what kind of financial service you're looking at, you need to start with understanding it, with financial literacy. And as we found, the majority, surprisingly, the majority of Canadians lack basic financial literacy. So what we want to do is kind of educate the members to get to a, a position where they can actually compare and contrast different types of mortgages, uh, understand the differences, understand debt, uh, credit card debt, understand interest rates. And not only will they understand their own finances uh, better, but what ends up happening is they will actually grow with a, uh, throughout their, uh, their life at their credit union. And that's where we help the credit union itself. We want to take these members, educate them, and then provide them services as they grow. So we kind of become like an omni-channel experience that kind of partners with credit unions, starting with financial literacy. 
Very cool. Now, my credit card company has uh, gamified my experience there. They give me points every time I spend money with them, which may or may not help my poverty reduction goals. Tell me a little bit more about how you gamify things. Will I get credit for reducing my my monthly credit card bill rather than increasing it? Essentially, yes. That That's what we want to do. So our system is built on multiple machine learning models and, and artificial intelligence. And the way that we've trained or uh, built our machine learning models is to actually increase good financial habits and decrease uh, uh, bad ones. Uh, for example, rather than gamifying increasing fees, we want to decrease fees. So we, we kind of tune our models to help the member rather than to extract every dollar out of the member. Right. Can you help me sort of visualize what this looks like? I sit down at my computer to do some online banking and maybe I'm going to check my three stock portfolio and maybe I'm going to figure out what bill to pay this week. Um, how will your app influence or transform these transactions? So I think it's important to really um, set the expectations a little bit. That's where we want to get to. We want to be able to provide that experience in a holistic approach. But we're early stage and we had to kind of start with uh, MVP or a very small segment of our overall kind of vision. And we're starting with financial literacy. So what that really means is you log into the app and there's a conversational agent there, Navi. And what Navi does is it it guides you and uh, it recommends you certain learning material. So in, in your case, you're paying bills. Um, perhaps you're not paying them efficiently. Navi can actually point that out and saying, hey, if you actually change the way you're paying your bills, you could save X, X amount of dollars. So we're really focusing on the fundamentals right now. And eventually we want to be able to guide you to how to invest better, how to save better and how to plan for retirement even. So it's kind of like on the roadmap. And um, um, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to add on to that, the whole gamifying approach. So um, similar to Fitbit, where Fitbit at the root of it, it just it teaches you to maybe eat less and exercise more. Uh, we kind of teach you to essentially at the beginning, just spend less and save more. And how that whole gamifying approach ties in is through the actual app experience in itself. Um, so where we get you talking about your finances, we get you engaging with members, challenging friends and family. And as Gurjeet mentioned, um, you can have that conversation with Navi and uh, Navi can help you and say, hey, uh, Gurjeet, I think you should eat less McDonald's this week. You're going out of, uh, out of the way for some of your goals now and try to get you back on track. Amazing. I mean, this the, the, the sounds amazing. Is there Are there any systems like this out there now? Or are you true pioneers in this area? No, I think there's quite a bit of competition, actually. But what we, what we found is, one, they're very early, just like us. And two, they, they kind of address some of the problems, not the, the way that we're trying to address the holistic problem. Well, one example is, um, we, we've actually get this quite often, is why don't you just go to TikTok or YouTube or even a university class and learn about financial literacy? And and to that, what we really say is, um, yeah, you can. Um, but the issue is, will you retain that information and will your behaviors actually change? And that's where we come in and we say, well, we can actually help you 
change your behaviors because we, we see your behaviors. Did you actually learn about interest and reduce your credit card debt? Or did you just watch the video and keep on piling on credit card debt? So we want to like guide you back on path. Right. And will you have different levels of this? I mean, because there are people who know their different types of mortgages and and perhaps already know how to use a discount broker for stocks. Um, but there probably may, may be things that they're doing wrong as well. So will there be enough levels to keep everybody engaged? That's the goal, yes. So fundamentally, our learning material is recommended to you on a personalized level. So it's uh, very unique. Um, for each person might have a different learning path. So it's kind of like dynamic learning. However, what we're doing right now is we're starting with uh, around 15 to 17 year olds as our beachhead customers. Uh, these customers are, or these people are someone that's kind of got their first job, their first debit card. Uh, you're kind of doing your first, like maybe your first car payment, um, first gas. Uh, so that's where we can really um, help you out. and start so we're starting at 15 to 17 year olds our goal is to expand beyond that and really personalize your learning outcome based on on you and your current behaviors sounds really intriguing we're going to have to follow up with you and find out how this works and hopefully you'll put some simulators on the website so we can play the games uh even those of us who are still working with the banks nava has had an interesting journey of its own. I think there's about five of you. Is that right? Tell us how the group got together and decided this was the, the problem you wanted to tackle. Sure. I, I think I can start with that. So a little bit about myself. Um, I was really inspired by JFK and the Mission to the Moon um, growing up and uh, lot, watched a lot of like sci-fi movies. And, and I was really kind of like inspired by that. So I found myself uh, taking engineering with a goal to work on the forefront of science something like the Mars rover. Wow. And, uh, and that's what I really wanted to do. So I ended up in um, aerospace and working in defense. And I just happened to kind of end up there in my career. And I was really excited to see where it could lead. And uh, it turned out that the corporate world just wasn't for me. It's not what I expected it to be. And I kind of uh, sat back and, and thought to myself, okay, well, this isn't really the path that I want to be on. Like, what what can I do? And uh, I kind of like did some soul searching and, and I found um, an interesting article by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they were talking about the socioeconomic impact a dollar could make in a particular industry, where that be sanitization or financial services. And surprisingly, um, at least to me, is if you give that dollar to financial services, especially to areas that are underbanked, what ends up happening is that dollar has one of the highest ROIs when it comes to the socioeconomic impact. The reason being is you build these financial services, enable people to have loans, enable people to have bank accounts, interest, um, and it, moving away from a, from a cash society to a digital society. And we're kind of blessed to do, have that here, but there's a lot of people, uh, even here actually, that are not served, the financial services just aren't there yet, accessibility. And um, so that really inspired me. Is okay. Well, there's a there's a need here, or this is something that I could actually help with my skill set. There's an old book. I think it was Jules Verne, "From the Earth to the Moon." It sounds like you've gone from the moon to the earth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Not, um, but it's interesting. So you found that your north star, if you will, was so much closer to home. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of looking up, you need to look down. 
Yeah, fascinating. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, no worries. But that that's what it comes down to. It's like I started looking inward and looking here and with emergent technologies such as cloud and blockchain and, and fintech in general, uh, I felt um, we really had an opportunity here to to make an impact. And that's kind of why Nova Ventures was founded. Uh, our whole mission is to really um, give back and really empower people to live their best financial life. Wow. Amin, how do you compete with a story like that? I'm just going to walk off this podcast right now. And, uh, you guys enjoy the rest of the time. But, <laughs> Don't go. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, unlike Gurjeet, I, I guess I've kind of been more grounded. Um, uh, but uh, for me, it was it was all about the community impact. Like from a very young age, I've been involved in the community. And I played for the Whitecaps Prospects Program growing up, uh, national training centers and provincial teams. And one thing that I always found is uh, uh, the impact that your community can have on you, whether it be the parents, coaches, it was just having that influence. And uh, from a very young age, I knew in my life, I eventually wanted to have that impact on those around me as well. So as I uh, packed my bags from UBC and uh, was moving out, um, I decided to embark on this journey full time with Gurjeet. And actually, uh, a little background about us. So Gurjeet was actually my neighbor growing up. And oh, really? uh, his, yeah, and his brother, Parm, who's also on our team, him and I are best friends. Um, and it just so happens that we all either grew up together or worked together and uh, had a skill set in a different field that fit kind of like a puzzle on our, onto our team. And uh, like uh, I have somewhat of a sales background. Um, Parm has an operationals background. Malap is another member of our team. Um, he has a finance background, and uh, us three, we played together on the same hockey line, won championships, rank one, two, and three in scoring. And some of those times where we played together, Gurjeet was our captain uh, playing hockey or basketball or whatever it was. And now he's kind of the captain of our ship right now. And uh, even with our uh, engineers on the team, who we have over 30 years of combined engineering experience, uh, experts in Gurjeet mentioned predictive analytics, AI, cybersecurity, and transaction system processing. Uh, he kind of bumped into Dumman and Chris along the along his road of growth. Uh, Dumman he met uh, you know through SFU and uh, at a, a startup that they were at, and Chris uh, he met at Boeing. And at the end of the day, we all just click, and that's kind of how our team came together. But uh, at the root of it, we all had that same mission and. Uh, that Gurjeet first founded uh, with his touching story. And uh, that's what we uh, live by every day and trying to have that greater impact uh, on our community. Tell me about what's uh, the underpinning of your company. It sounds like revenue is still several months away. So what's supporting you and supporting this team that's building uh, the, 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 this wonderful system? Have you raised some funds? No, not currently. Uh we actually haven't raised anything from uh, exterior sources. Everything's been self-funded. Uh, we're working on our own equity, uh, our own funds, and and just uh, sweat equity at this point. We also, uh, grants have kind of helped us out. Uh, we had our first win for a grant uh, recently, and uh, we've you know continued to apply to a lot more of those and uh, doing our best. Well, after all, you're in the business of poverty reduction, so maybe it begins at home. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what would Navi, as an artificially intelligent financial expert, say about if you said, hey, Navi, I'm now going to quit my job and work for free for a year? 
what would it recommend? It would not recommend that. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I think, honestly speaking, though, it depends on your risk appetite. I think a lot of people, uh, risk is a huge thing. So if, if Navi can actually address your risk and understand that you're a risk taker and this is something that you want to do, and in my opinion, if you have the right uh, kind of uh, values behind it, then go for it. So for all the entrepreneurs out there, uh, I think if you have something that you really want to do, uh, you shouldn't even listen to Navi. You should do it. <laughs> and that's uh, that, that, that's a really interesting response. I I didn't expect that. So that's that, that's good. Um, sometimes you have to take the risk. Sometimes you 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 sometimes you spring for the Big Mac. Sometimes you go out to celebrate. Sometimes sometimes you break the rules. But it's actually by following rules, don't you think, that you build the credibility, the experience, or maybe the bank account that then lets you break the rules sometimes. Exactly. I think you you need a balance. You can't be breaking all the rules all the time. You got to reserve that for the, the times that that really matters. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, based on your sports background, do you think that there is, that, that sports is a good training ground for entrepreneurship in terms of, hey, resilience and endurance, but also uh, teamwork and strategy? Yeah, I think uh, having a background in sports helps out in more ways than one. Um, like if you get hurt, it seems like it's the worst thing at the end of the day. And I feel like it, that pain that you experience then is very similar to getting a rejection or a no. Uh, but being able to fight through it and continue going to trying to win that championship, it definitely helps out. Fantastic. Gurjeet, speaking of rejection, you mentioned early on that, you know, one of your uh lessons that you'd like entrepreneurs to take away from this podcast is to fail often. So tell me about uh, a failure of yours and why that was a good thing. Early on in my career, I worked for a startup and uh, it really taught me a lot. And we didn't hit our funding goal in time. Um, Having said that, uh, the startup's still around, it's doing well. Uh, But just for me and my my timeline as one of the first few employees there, it, it didn't work out. So that was really, I took that to heart. I really wanted to succeed. And uh, that was one of my early failures. More so not just like failures, just the small failures along the way. The no's that you get the uh, when you're coding up something and, and you run into a bug, you can't kind of just give up. You have to find a way around it. So I, I think I mean more, more so in like the day-to-day failures. If you're not failing every day, then you're not really doing anything. You're just uh, just going along for the ride, if that makes sense. Right, but what do you expect me to take away from failure? Is it just resilience to keep going, or is there something more I can learn and, and that will strengthen me? It's not so much the resilience to keep going. It's about finding solutions. Once you fail over and over again, you'll eventually get to a point where you actually solve that problem or grow. And people kind of get scared that I won't, I don't want to try this because I'm going to fail. Uh, don't do that. Just go out there and have the mindset that it's okay to fail because I'll come back at this in a different way or I've take what my experience that's taught me in the first failure to bring out to the next next uh uh next time so it's like you either win or you learn and that's foundationally what what failure is all about right okay I want to get back to 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 Nava Ventures now and the 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 product you're developing because i'm not sure i really understand the business model yet are you selling this to the to to 
a credit union, multiple credit unions? Is it something where you can make money along the way through in-app purchases? Uh, where are you going to get your share from? Yeah, so I can take that to start off and Gurjeet, you can chime in. So at the end of the day, we partner with organizations and our, I guess, beachhead customer are credit unions. And we charge credit unions for access to our app so that their members at the end of the day can use it for free. And um, uh, we've also been approached by other organizations in um, kind of different sectors and fields to um, try and onboard us and try to see if there's an alignment there to work with us. And uh, we're very open uh, to working with um, companies or organizations outside of credit unions as well, because as long as it aligns with our values, um, we think that it's okay for us to do. So, so would could could I have three or four credit unions in my community that offer the same Navi product, or would it be sort of branded or customized differently for each company that buys into it? Our goal is to be the fintech partner to for all kind of credit unions and organizations out there. And to answer your question, yeah, multiple credit unions would all be using be using the Navi kind of app branded by Navi and the cool thing about that is now you can kind of uh, collaborate between credit unions as well. Well, at least that's our vision currently. And are you looking just at BC at this point? Because that's certainly where so much of the activity in credit unions is in Canada. Or are you looking more nationally or even beyond that? We're starting out in Canada, uh, particularly in BC, but we're, we would like to have uh, partnerships all over Canada and scale beyond that into the States and Europe uh, once we're ready. And can you see that you can do credit unions and banks? Or do you think if you have credit unions, then that if you're dominant in the credit union space, is that good enough for you in Canada? I think it is. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's a value alignment. So once um, a lot of these banks, they're, they're realizing that they really need to make an impact on the triple bottom line with people on the planet. Um, and so if the banks approach us and at the end of the day, we help people, we're more than game. We're, we would love to make that happen. But as it stands right now, we feel credit unions just have a better value alignment. Right. Well, that's very cool because that way you can play hard to get with them until with the banks until they, they change a little bit. So, so that's a wonderful spot to be in. When did you begin to identify with, with the idea of you actually being aligned with a UN social development goal? I mean, were you always aware of that or was that just a sort of a later discovery? I think that was kind of like underlining our entire being, if that makes sense. It's, uh, we really wanted to make an impact. Uh, we knew financial literacy was important, but we didn't really understand how it really helped with poverty until we dug deeper. And uh, essentially what ends up happening is if a community gets financial literacy education and they actually have access to financial services, you can pull that, that community out of poverty very quickly, um, especially if you're if the community is diverse um, and, uh, and accessible. So it kind of we kind of discovered upon that through our own research, talking to people and and talking to other organizations uh, more importantly. I'm curious what you what would be sort of the top your top two examples of 
situations that you could fix with financial literacy? Like what are the biggest mistakes that Canadians are still making now that you think you're, you can help them with? Number one for sure is credit card debt. It's, it's been crippling millennials and generation Z is, is quickly catching up, but credit card debt's by far like the number one thing. And secondary is I would consider it just basic financial literacy, just the basics. A lot of people don't know why a checking account is even called a checking account. Um, it reminds me, it's like, uh, I have a little nephew and he asked me, what's this like square thing that's on Microsoft Word? It's like, that's a floppy disk. He's like, well, what's that? Right? <laughs> so it's like, things have changed and people need to remember, like, thing, things are changing quickly and the younger generations, they, they don't know why things are the way they are. Yeah, just to add on to that, our uh, engineer, Chris, he was telling us a story the other day where one of his friends, um, uh, his friend's daughter was complaining that she didn't have a debit card. And uh, his, um, her dad took her to the bank, got a debit card, and she was across town. And he gets a call, and his daughter's freaking out. And she's like, Dad, I, it, the card's not working. It's not working. <laughs> and the dad's like, oh, like, what's wrong? She's like, it keeps asking me for checking or saving. I just want it to work. And, <laughs> and it's just funny. Like, it, like it, there's very basic financial literacy that a lot of, I guess, Canadians just don't understand. It's funny. In the past 20 years, we've all learned how to edit videos and navigate complicated music apps. <laughs> and yet we're still stuck on the same financial literacy issues. My, my, my kids can name, you know, 500 different Pokemon, but I don't know if they know the difference between checking and savings. Or credit cards and debit cards. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so much to do there. So thank you for taking this on. Now, risk management is a big part of uh, anyone's financial plan. What kind of risks do you see ahead of you at NAVA and how are you managing for them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the risk is the risk of uh, competition, particularly in the tech space. Uh, there's a lot of tech companies that are realizing fintech is open. Not only that, there's um, challenger banks that are out there that are understanding that digital space is, is very important. So the risk of competition is, is very high. And not only that, the risk of uh, security is exceptionally high, especially in today's day and age. Uh, cybersecurity is very important. So those are some of the risks that we're looking at. And to mitigate that, there's not really much we can truly do. But what we're trying to do here is we've built an agile culture of innovation. We want to be able to innovate quickly, iterate quickly, and get the product to market quickly. So that's our entire team. Uh, we've built an agile culture and hoping to raise some money to help us get to market quickly. Um, and that raise is sometime next month. So we're in a few months here. Um, but those are some of the risk mitigation strategies that we're, we're kind of taking right now. I think you guys have been really good at articulating your mission. I see a lot of companies that, you know, purpose is built into them, but they're not good at articulating it. But you say Nava was founded to help eliminate the stress caused by money. We want to empower our generation by helping them with their finances. Tell me how you, you, you got to that point of articulation. Did you get help or were you able to do that yourselves to create these really simple, powerful messages? 
Abhman could definitely speak to this. It was tough. We were. Uh, it took a long time to get our messaging on point. Because it looks so easy. It looks so simple once it's there on the page. But again, a lot of engineering behind it. Yes, for sure. And I'm sure Abhman can speak more to that. Yeah, just the other night we were... Uh, it, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it always starts with why. And uh, Gurjeet's done a really good job of articulating that in our culture. But even recently, as we move forward, we have to remind ourselves what it is we're actually doing and why we're doing it. And we actually had stickies up on the wall um, and on the desks with different words to describe the impact that we're having, to describe what we're doing. And through this entire process, it's been refined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I mean, empower our generation. I mean, how strong is that? How inspiring is that? And how long did it take to get there? I'm going to say months. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Not easy. So, And we've had a lot of arguments over what words we should use. I don't understand this. And it takes a lot of time to come to a consensus. But we got there, so that's what matters. It wasn't as simple as just paying someone on Fiverr or going on to Google and, you know, just typing something in, give me a mission statement.com. <laughs> <laughs> did you try those? Oh, we did. Failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> so you tried Fiverr to see if they could help you with a mission statement? Yeah, because there's lots of... Uh, there's not even not so much Fiverr itself. There's other agencies, marketing agencies right, that click. Right. They can they can help you out. So we got some codes. Talk to people, and at the end of the day, it's just it's a transaction for them. They don't really they don't really get it, and we we decided that wasn't the best course of action for us. It's just business. Yeah, and for us, it's it's much more than that. It's uh, we wanted our words to actually mean uh, what we're trying to do, and. Uh, I think that's why it's important to us that it, we did craft it uh, with our team and you know, we came together and everyone believes in it. And I think that's the most important thing that we learned throughout that process. Uh, if you can do it as a team, then yeah, I think that's the, the, the best way to have it organically bubble up, spark some great discussions, and eventually everyone develops the same language. And my favorite is when a business has a swear jar. They say, if you say it wrong, if you if you use this word to describe it, then we're going to fine you a dollar or something. Have you ever had one of those? That's a great idea. I think we're going to take that take that and implement it right after this. <laughs> because it it is really important that you know you're not trying to to to, to homogenize everybody, but you want to make sure that 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 those key phrases are used over and over again because people don't hear it the first time and they don't understand it maybe the second time. So repetition is, is really the key. Just wondering, um, just before we edge on out of here, I'm just curious, you've both been involved with lots of entrepreneurs and what do you think uh, other entrepreneurs need to know about financial literacy? Have you seen gaps there? I mean, they have to know not only consumer finances, personal finances, but they have to understand uh, the financing of businesses, which is a pretty complex topic itself. What do you think is the level of, of financial awareness in entrepreneurship and what can people involved in startups do to improve it at this point in time? Another great question. I think fundamentally, if you're trying to raise money, you need to learn the different mechanisms of how you can raise money and be it like a safe or a convertible note or what have you really understand that and there's lots of resources out there but talk to your local uh, branch of government 
and because each, for example, we're out here in BC, and the BC uh, laws are different than Ontario, and Canada, and in the states. So if you're just googling it, it doesn't really apply exactly uh, to you. So talk to someone that's in the know, like a lawyer or uh, someone that's a financial advisor in your space, a professional, and really understand how these instruments play in your local uh, region. I think that's very, very important. Yeah, and to add on to that, I think it's important to understand uh, what goes on on your cap table as well. Um, we, uh, we're we big fans of uh, just watching Dragon's Den, Shark Tank, and understanding uh, how maybe having doing a crowdfunding campaign can impact your business long-term where you might have 600 shareholders or something uh, on your cap table. And uh, it, uh, I think this entire process, it's been a learning experience every single day, but as Gurjeet mentioned, just being exposed to some of these government organizations or uh, just mentors or coaches in the space and learning from their experiences has been very uh, crucial for our growth and will be for us moving forward. Gurjeet and Oman, I think we've I think we've actually carried out most of the tasks that we gave ourselves at the beginning. We 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 we've talked about uh, getting started. We've talked about how to use failure. We've talked about um, some advanced ideas such as values alignment, which I really love, and the importance of purpose, and about taking the time to hone the right messages and and not stopping until you know you've got it right. I think that I think that's really important. Does each of you have one more? Can I bring one more idea out of each of you as a piece of advice that entrepreneurs can take from your experience and put into effect at their businesses immediately? Yeah, I think uh, I'll start off. And um, uh, the biggest thing for me throughout this whole process, uh, I actually had a conversation with my brother. And um, what he told me is, uh, in a time like COVID, you can either choose to quit and blame life on COVID or be someone who thrives when the rest of the world seems hopeless. And that was a quote that really resonated with me. And I think as an entrepreneur, um, it's important to remember that it's not just happening to you, it could be happening to everyone. And to really appreciate some of the small successes that you have on this path and not to dwell too much on uh, the losses, but to learn and grow from those and uh, continue to grow moving forward. Right. I would think that that was something that an athlete would already know, but I guess it still helps to have it uh, laid out to you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, at, at the end of the day, it's always just learning. And um, yeah. uh, it's just sometimes being reminded of uh, some of the things that you've seen or done. And uh, it's, it's just a full grind and appreciating it uh, really makes you understand the process and uh, be more grateful for the successes. Right, exactly. Gurjeet, you get the last word. That sounds good. I think it's very important to really be conscious of the material that you're exposed to on a day-to-day basis. And I'm not a believer in the whole attitude where you grind from 6 a.m. till midnight and you try to get your business through um, off the ground through um, pure heart and determination. Um Having said that, I think determination and heart is very important, but you also have to take care of yourself. You, you, you got to make sure your health is okay, your nutrition's on point. You got to treat this as as more of an athlete in the sense of you have other things you got to make sure that you're taking care of that help you be productive in your business. 
and I think that gets lost uh, for a lot of other other entrepreneurs out there where they're saying I'm coding for six hours st- straight. Well, did you even eat? Like, did you did you have enough water? It helps you. And over time, um, it really takes a toll on you. So don't don't get burnt out. Just take it um, one step at a time and be healthy. That's very important. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate uh, your candor and discussing all these things with me. And I, I, I love your teamwork and, and the, just the values alignment of the two of you is, 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 is really interesting to hear. I, I can see you've been friends for a long time. And uh, do you think that's, that's helped make this business something a little bit more special? For sure. I think we can be very candid with, the, with one another. Kind of, uh, we've yelled at each other a few times, and we know that the, at the end of the day, that, that this person is still going to be around. So, um, I, I think it's critical. I think our group is—we're blessed to be working together. All right, I'm going to wish you all the luck in the world. Not that you're going to need it. I've been talking with Aman Thind and Gurjeet Matharu. Uh, they're both partners in Nava Ventures of, of Vancouver. Uh, they're changing the shape of financial services and empowering millennials to improve their own financial position. And I think that's a dual purpose that is really exciting. So we're going to keep an eye on you. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.